Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Adam, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. TC, very good to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? I'm Adam Siegel, uh, one of the two co-founders of a company called Recurate. We are a retail tech startup that began our journey just a few years ago at the beginning of 2020. And the short of it is that we enable resale, the buying and selling of secondhand items directly on brands e-commerce websites, enabled through an integration that we've built. Wow. What's the kind of typical user using this? Is this companies? Is this individual users? Well, our clients are B2B. You know, we sell to brands and retailers, companies that are that are selling items typically firsthand. But we find that the products that they're selling are actually doing really well on the secondary market. Third-party marketplaces like eBay or Poshmark have a number of their items for sale. And so we power the buying and selling for their customers. You can think of it as a mini eBay that exists directly on the brand's e-commerce website. Oh, wow. That's quite, that's a really interesting take. And as you mentioned, you're a co-founder. So I'm really curious, first of all, your history, your journey to tech leadership, where you've got to, but also what caused you and what was the trigger for you to kind of create this? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because if I think about it, it's a, it's a bit meandering and yet every stage of that journey does end up pointing in this direction. You know, it starts in the 90s when I was growing up outside of Washington, D.C. I got really into computers after we, we bought our first computer in 1994. I was that kid in my basement just playing around when the internet first when we first got the internet, I think it was Prodigy we got first. I uh, started learning some programming languages of my own, including CGI and Perl, if, uh, if your audience is familiar with that. And then, you know, fast forward, got my engineering degree, was focused on a completely different industry at the time, aerospace in particular, but eventually got excited about this, what I saw as a new industry called sustainability. Now, there's a group of people that were working directly for corporations, trying to make those companies more environmentally and socially sustainable. And I eventually got very excited about that. So I went back, got my MBA um, and really dove deep in sustainability. Uh, That led me to a job in retail. And that's ultimately what then brought me here. The retail job was at a trade association. So an industry group that represented the largest retailers. I led their sustainability, circularity, and digital innovation programs. I saw the growth of the secondary market, the secondhand market for for products, and got excited about bringing the benefits of that market and the growth of that market back to the brands that were selling everything firsthand. So that's what ultimately led me to Foundry Curate. Great. That's brilliant. I love it. 
as you say, nice meandering journey. But it's interesting, isn't it, when you look back at where things were were pointing, as you as you mentioned. Exactly, exactly. I mean, my my very earliest of days, uh, I founded a, a few companies in high school. You know, played around with the early internet, got a sense for where there might be some opportunity, and then later in life, focused that on what I learned in the retail industry, and ultimately. Both of those, from when I was young and when I was later in my career, both of those pointed to where I am now. Fantastic. So coming back to the to the company that you started again, the problem that you're solving in the market. Describe that again to me, so we can kind of explore that further. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this from two angles. Actually, both my co-founder and I come from a background of sustainability. Personally. I grew up not only uh, around computers but also around the outdoors. Um, I was always outside hiking, biking, camping with my father. I never really realized that you could make a career of it until uh, I was a bit later in my own career. And once I did, I got very excited about it. And personally, that is my passion: is to make the world and the industry that I work in, which is retail. More sustainable.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so the problem that I saw, and my co-founder did as well, is that the industry as it is, the industry of consumption, consumerism, is just generally unsustainable. We produce more than the earth has to give, and eventually we're going to hit some limits.、Uh, we already have、mm-hmm. hit some. So that was the first problem that we were trying to solve. Now, of course. We do face an issue of the commons, which is that it's not necessarily any one company's incentive to fix that problem, and so we do need to be able to speak in their language. So the second problem that we're trying to solve is around increasing revenues or sales, so growing companies without necessarily growing their impact on the planet. We saw secondhand buying. Used or pre-loved items as the way to do that.、Mm. These items are already being bought and sold on third-party marketplaces. There's already consumer demand for secondhand items. We got really excited about that because a secondhand item is almost always the most sustainable way to shop. But the brands and retailers that we now work with weren't benefiting at all. From the growth of the secondary market, so that's really what we're trying to do. That's the primary problem that we're trying to solve as it relates to these brands. I love it. Do you know why I love that? Because it's actually a marriage between what businesses need and what the planet needs. So it's economics married together. Exactly how we think about it, TC. Brilliant. I love it. I will champion this kind of cause. I think it's a great idea. So. Thank you for sharing that, and, and well done for creating something—a solution in the market that has such a good win-win. Well, thank you. Now we're going to put the spotlight on you, Adam. Okay, a nice, gentle spotlight on you. I'm really interested in your leadership style. How do you roll as a leader? For me, I think most about two styles of leadership. One is leading by example, and the second is servant leadership. As it relates to leading by example. You know, I'm the type of person that loves to just dive right in and get stuff done. That's always been my mentality: get stuff done. I found that early on in my career, I had some managers 
that didn't really understand the work that they were assigning to me and and uh, my other colleagues. And I always told myself that I'd never be that person. I want to understand what it is that we're doing, what it is that I'm telling others to do so that I have the context and I have empathy for what I'm asking of others. And so, you know, you'll see me dive in first, try it myself, try to learn it, whether it's a new system or new marketing strategy or whatever, I want to be the first to do it just so I know what I'm asking of others. So to me, that's that's um, leading by example. I, I, um, I really do think a lot about that uh, and try to practice that every day. The second is servant leadership. You know, I, I want to do everything I can to empower the people that work with me, help them overcome their challenges and obstacles. We do look, and I do think we found truly amazing, stellar, entrepreneurial people on our team. And, you know, it's our team that gets me most excited. But there are times where they can't do something alone. And so, you know, I, I want to be there I want them to see me as the immediate go-to to solve those issues such that they can get done what they know they need to do. Fantastic. I love it. I'm a big fan of both styles of leadership you've mentioned now. I thought, I think you're learning from your own experience and bringing that into the space. It's like almost like a, a continuous learning over many decades. And the servant leadership, in fact, I'm a big fan of servant leadership because I, mm. I think it creates good psychological safety in a space. It allows people to kind of open up and, and changes the responsibility. You know, people tend to take the um, the helm and, and run with it. What What I will say is that my career up until this time has been at pretty established organizations. This is my first go at a real startup, a venture-backed startup. And you know the 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 type of organization that this is is just so different from a typical corporate culture in that here you need to always be willing to think differently think creatively, come up with new ideas, execute quickly. Generally, what I, I describe it as being entrepreneurial. And of course, as a co-founder, I am an entrepreneur, but everyone in a startup needs to be entrepreneurial. And I'll, I'll admit that makes it very hard. There are some times where we need to change, sometimes quickly. We ask others to change quickly as well. You know, not only um, about how they operate, how they sell, how they talk about our product, frankly, what we're even building with regard to our product. You know, every every day, every week, certainly every month and quarter, we do wipe the whole whiteboard clean and say, all right, what should we do this week or what should we do this month? Yes, fantastic. I love it. So Adam, I'm really curious as to that transition you mentioned from the corporate to, to this. And I imagine that was like a life earthquake. How did you make that transition from that corporate thinking, the old way of thinking to this kind of venture backed startup? Yeah, it's a great question. And I feel like this is going to continue to be a topic of reflection for me for many years to come. But, you know, I, I, I told my wife, I think in our first date that, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and eventually I will start a company uh, like this. So, you know, I've, I've known it for a long time. I mentioned to you earlier in this conversation that I started a couple of 
companies, you know, I'd put that in air quotes, uh, when I was in high school, you know, just playing around with technology, wouldn't make much sales, but, you know, as a young kid, it was a steady stream of a little bit of income. And even in my corporate journey, I've been entrepreneurial. You know, I think the, the term that I've heard people use is entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial within the environment of a larger corporation. In all of the last roles that I was in, I created new products, had new ideas, created new products, new communities. So, you know, it's it's been in me to do something like this. And I've always had it in my mind that I would. In fact, when I went to business school, I participated in several business case competitions for startups and you know, always wanted to get into this. The funny thing is that when the timing that I chose, I think, was especially challenging. We started this business at the beginning of 2020. And of course, that was the start of COVID. So not only am I starting a business, but it's in the midst of the pandemic an especially turbulent time. On top of that, uh, my wife and I had our first kid who's now three and a half years old, um, my son named Joseph. And then two years later, we had our second child, Jacob. So there has been a whole lot of turbulence in my life and our life over the past several years, which has made it especially fun, challenging for sure, um, but certainly difficult to adapt to all of these changes. Fantastic. I love it. And uh, yeah, tough time to be trying to start a business, especially with the restrictions. I mean, it's hard enough doing business as it is, but especially when we've lost that ability to actually be in front of each other at that time as well. Right. Well, you know, we came up with this idea right at the beginning of 2020. And now that, of course, was just a very difficult time for everyone with lockdowns. Companies weren't even sure if they were going to survive individuals weren't sure if they were going to have jobs. I mean, there was just so much uncertainty. And so the idea of starting a company then was especially difficult. But what worked in our favor is that ultimately we are e-commerce enablement. We enable e-commerce experiences and e-commerce did especially well in 2020 and 2021. So we rode that wave during that time and, and that really worked in our favor. Excellent. I've got a tough question for you now. I think it's a tough question. As a tech leader, what keeps you up at night? What's tough about being a techie and a leader in that space? I think there's two things. One, going back to culture, it's keeping our people engaged, motivated, excited. Because I mentioned startups are hard and the reality is it's a grind. If anyone tells you differently, they're lying. Mm. Uh, there is a heck of a lot of work that goes into this each and every day, especially given uh, how often things change. Um, and so, you know, how do you keep your team motivated and excited? They all joined this company for the vision, the mission that we have. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to get a lot done in order to build a successful business. And so that's the first. The second I'd say is, the velocity of product development, you know, in the in the spirit of uh, building a tech business, you know, our eyes are always bigger than our stomach, if uh, you want to use that <laughs> analogy, and that, you know, we have a, such a big vision for where we could potentially go with this company, all the amazing features and bells and whistles and cool new ways that brands can market and the experience that we can create for their customers. There's so much that we want to do. 
with this company. And yet, you know, we have to prioritize and focus and um, set deadlines and define a roadmap. And, you know, as, as an entrepreneur with a big vision, sometimes it's hard to pull back and say, okay, what is it that we need to do right now to focus on the most valuable things when there's so much else mm. that you're excited about doing as well? Yeah, I can imagine. And being a techie myself, coming from electronics and software engineering, the engineers are very creative creatures, knowing which way to go, because everything just feels good to do. Everything just seems right. like a priority. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, every morning I wake up, every night I go to bed with a new idea, and it's almost like, wow, gosh, I can't wait to execute on that. But the reality is, yeah. you can't keep pushing people in different directions. Yes. You got to focus them got to focus the business, you got to focus the sales and marketing and product mm -hmm. development. So, you know, all these great ideas you have to write down somewhere mm -hmm. and wait for the time yes. when it's right. That's right. A, lot, a nice backlog of ideas and cool things and bells and whistles you can add That's to the right. system. You kind of mentioned something interesting there as well, because starting up a new company, it's not just the tech, if it's a tech solution that you're providing, but also the sales and marketing, the selling of it. There's no point in having a great idea if you can't sell it to anybody. How have you found that journey? Because that's an interesting one for engineers, being an engineer myself as well. Well, I've, I've worked in business for the past 15 years or so, and I'd actually worked with a lot of the people that I'm now selling to when I was at the trade association called the Retail Industry Leaders Association. I interacted with a number of executives from across the retail industry, so I was familiar with them. I spoke their language, I understood their pain points. And so, you know, building this business, I already had a pretty good sense of what they'd be looking for. And so selling this, also I'm just passionate about it, selling this came pretty natural to me and, and still does. You know, I, I tend to tell my co-founder Wilson that the thing I like the most in this business is selling. Mm. I like it, it's fun. I like sharing demos and seeing people's eyes light up when we show them what we could do. I mean, especially in the early days, but even still now, this is still a relatively new product and experience for brands. They're not familiar with an experience like this, but I often hear people say, you know what? I don't often take sales calls with new technology but I'm really surprised. This was a great idea. And I just love hearing that. That just makes me feel so good. So, you know, for me personally, the selling has not been the hard part. That's actually been one of the parts that has given me the most energy. Wow. I can hear the passion, which now brings me onto a topic which I'm very passionate about, which is actually creating the vision for the, for the company so that everybody can align to it. And one of the things you find is that, well, I found in my journey is that people don't always appreciate the importance of a vision or the purpose of what you're doing and convey the vision of what you're trying to achieve? Is it, is it something you have to kind of keep repeating? Do you have it like plastered on walls? Do you have like sessions on the vision again? What do you do as a leader for that? You know, uh, I wish we had walls. Yes. Uh, we are 100% remote given when we started. So unfortunately, there's nowhere to plaster a vision. In the early days when we just had a few employees, we did go through an exercise where we defined mission, vision, purpose, you know, our values and all of that. And it, it is uh, in a Slack thread somewhere. Um, but what I've found is that our product, the experience that we enable 
is the definition of our vision. Right. When I'm interviewing new candidates, or even more importantly, when uh, a new employee starts at the company, one of the first things I do is give them a demo of the experience end to end. Let me show you what it would look like if you were a customer and you were interacting with our platform from the beginning to end. And there is just so much value in people internalizing that, that I think that becomes the mission in and of itself. Our goal is to get more items listed for sale on a brand's website and then more secondhand items purchased. Yes. Yeah. It comes back to trying to keep more items in circulation, mitigating the need for new product creation. And I think people get that pretty intuitively, especially when they see what we offer. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. The fact that it speaks for itself. So I've got a question here around, you kind of mentioned something earlier on around how you get the best out of your teams. You use servant leadership, you take your lessons from your previous journeys in the in the um, corporate world and what have you, and making sure that those problems that you experienced aren't uh, experienced again. How else do you get the best out of your teams? Um, is, there, is there any kind of magic dust that you use to, to get your teams working at their best and be powerhouses of productivity and creativity? I, I wish I could say I had the secret sauce or fairy <laughs> dust to make that happen. Um, I think there's two lessons that I've learned that are probably not going to be a surprise when I say them out loud. One is hire great people. I know, I know that's cliche, but uh, now that we've built up the team, uh, it is clear to me that getting it right makes all the difference in the world. So, you know, additional vetting, really understanding the type of person and qualities you're looking for. I'd say in a startup environment, what matters less is their existing expertise in the topic. And what matters much more is that they're entrepreneurial, they're willing to be scrappy, they're willing to figure things out even if there is not a path that already exists, you know, comfortable with ambiguity, you know, all of those cliches are just so, so important to a startup. Mm. Um, so that's one. And the second, just because we are a remote team, I see so much value in bringing the team together periodically. We found it time and again, it's just easy to get comfortable and stay in your own home office. Uh, sometimes it takes a flight or a train ride to meet up with others. And, and that is a hundred percent worth it because one day together, even an hour or two together is worth 20 zoom sessions. Mm -hmm. It just makes all the difference to be together in person. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's that, that human connection. An old saying was it the uh, I see you, you know, to see people mm. truly, you know, the way they right. where they talk, the way the energy that they bring into a room, if you want to get really kind of woo woo and stuff like that. But there is something around being in the room. Absolutely. I see that. Yeah, I see that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I reflect on myself as well. I think I'm a different person when I'm on Zoom than when I'm in person. For one, we often set up Zoom calls to be 30 minutes. And so, you know, you have to be very focused and direct and to the point. Yes. And then as soon as you're done, the screen goes blank and the person goes by That's and right. you don't have time to chat, get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and so, yeah, and I, I set up back to back meetings. So you're rushing from one thing to the next, you're context switching all the time. You just don't really get a chance 
to be with each other and see each other exactly to your point. I think that's absolutely the case. Any tips on foundations for growth? Because obviously you're a startup and growth is everything. What things have you put in place or what do you think would be good to put in place for anyone listening out there that's on a similar journey? This might sound um, general, but uh, one thing that I've come to appreciate is to go where the energy is. Go where the energy is. And what I mean by that is that now, sometimes you'll have conversations with potential customers of yours and, you know, you see a, a straight face or disinterest, not not a lot of enthusiasm or excitement. Um, and then there's other times to contrast to that where you might share a demo or um, something of uh, a different product and you see their eyes light up. They start brainstorming with you in the introductory conversation. Oh, we could use this for influencers and uh, we can get our best customers to engage in this, et cetera. And, and those are the opportunities for which I think you really need to double down. We've seen this time and again, and this has kind of defined some of the major pivots that we've had. Even before I founded Recurate in its current form, I was testing other entrepreneurial ideas uh, in uh, 2019, 2018, and um, none of those garnered the same energy for what we're doing now. And so it was just clear to me that we needed to change because the market wasn't ready. So go go where there is energy, and and when you strike on something, you'll feel it. Oh, you know, people call it product market fit. It's it's really a feeling when you talk to people and explain what you do. If they get excited with you, mm. then you're on the right track. I think that's a great takeaway. Even uh, you know we're not even at the end yet. I think that's a great takeaway. You go where the energy is because I think there's a there's a deeper knowing. There's a some wisdom in the in that intuition. You know that kind of pops up and says that's the way to go. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. So as we come now towards the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, Adam, I've got some nice warm questions for you. What advice would you give to tech leaders listening to this or aspiring tech leaders, sorry, that are listening to this on any advice about their journey into tech leadership, maybe even to the startup space as you have done? Learn to code. <laughs> I, I from, from my perspective, you know, I was coding in the 90s and early 2000s. I unfortunately did lose that skill and, you know, the, the, the world, especially of um, cloud-based computing got ahead of my expertise. And so, you know, I've spent a whole lot of time trying to catch up and really understand what is AWS, what are all of the different systems, the modern coding languages. And I do feel like as a tech leader, that is just so critical. Yes, I totally agree with you. So Adam, any books or book recommendations or other things that have been instrumental in your journey that have helped you along and inspired you and given you that energy? There was so many. I, I used to devour books, but especially when I when I started on my journey towards a more sustainability-oriented career, there were a number of books that really inspired me in that direction. Uh, one book in particular, I still think a lot about it's called The Fifth Discipline uh, by Peter Senge. Yeah. Um, it is a business-oriented book, but also a sustainability-oriented book. He's a systems thinker, and uh, the, the book is written with a systems thinking orientation. And, you know, I, I think systems 
thinking systems design can be applied to so many settings, both the macro, talking about the planet or economics, as well as the micro about, you know, how you run your own life and your organization. There's there's so much you can glean from that way of thinking. Um, so the fifth discipline is is probably the one I'd say is is been the most impactful for my own career. Yeah, I've read bits of it. I've never read it back to back, but maybe I need to do that. Maybe you've inspired me to do that, Adam. Here we go. I'm going to pretend to be a tech genie for a second again. I'm going to offer you a wish. What would you wish for, Adam, for your leadership, for your industry, for tech in general? Hmm. Um, all right. Well, uh, for myself and my leadership, I think I would love to have the opportunity to learn, have the time to learn everything there is to, to learn about uh, modern technology so that I could apply that um, in my own business, both you know, myself, like I said, I like getting in and doing things myself, but also in management so that I can uh, I can coach and train others on the team. Um, so I think that's that's what I would like uh, for myself, Mr. Genie. Um, <laughs> what for broader technology? Uh, <laughs> this is this is, uh, I guess, a, a wish that I have in everything that I do, maybe even more than the technology industry, but just you know, continue to drive towards a more sustainable way of doing things. Mm. You know, I work in retail, but in technology, just the same. It's a, a very unsustainable industry. And a lot of the technology that we're producing is enabling unsustainability of, of other markets and systems. And so, you know, if everyone in this industry could use their creativity, vision, ability to build, to do things that, that it helped, the world, make it more sustainable. I think that would be another wish that I have from you, Mr. Genie. Brilliant. I love it. Great, great wishes. And I'll do my best to make them come true for you, Adam. Great. And as we come to the full stop of our time together, what's your final key takeaway, your gift that you'd like to offer aspiring tech leaders out there listening to this podcast? I would say if you need to buy anything, buy it secondhand. That's a nod to the business that we're building today. And if you're looking to start a company, surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, people who are willing to get into the grit, figure things out, comfortable with ambiguity. Those are the people that are going to be most valuable by your side as you go through this journey. Fantastic. What a great note to finish on, Adam. Thank you for your time. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Great. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to engage with this community, TC. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again, 
on the next CTO Confessions podcast.